Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Beauty Archeo. I am your host, Professor Noir, and this is your fashion history comedy podcast here, broadcasting live on Full Service Radio. How is everyone? I'm doing fine. I'm like asking everyone like they're here. I wish I had like a live studio audience. I need to get to that Oprah status one day. But until then, I do have a really fabulous guest, a very special guest, a dear friend and inspiration, a sister of the drag coven of DC, which is a a growing coven. Of many, many, many drag witches, Miss um, Anna Latour. Hey, how are you? Hi, hi. Thanks oh, for having me. I'm excited to have you here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so, again, this is a fashion history comedy podcast. Do you like fashion, Anna? No, fuck fashion. <laughs> <laughs> do you not follow the fashions? How do you feel about fashion? <sighs> I'm in fashion. I'm in fashion. I'm in fashion. Fuck fashion, but amen fashion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Fuck religion, too. <laughs> it just feel like a rebel right now. Oh, it's the leather jacket. It's the, oh, my God. I need to tell everyone what you're wearing because, so usually, so Anna is a drag performance artist. Um, I would not necessarily call you a drag queen anymore. That death has already that's fair, happened. That's fair, yeah. You used to be, you, for I wouldn't all, consider myself a drag queen either, but well, yeah, you it's used the to, label that most people respond to. Yeah, it's like commercial label. So like oh. you used to go by Salvador Dali, which yes. was a drag, I would say personification, persona of a lot of you already. Yeah, it was uh it was uh, it was an was uh, just an expression of inspiration rather than of personality. Exactly. And um you Salvador died yeah, we killed that. <laughs> we killed that bitch. You know, she was sacrificed to the greater cause so that the coven can live on. No one called me Salvador anyway. They were like, "That bitch is Anna." Yeah, and then you know, you, it's like Salvador and Anna became one, and you were yeah. like, "Anna is the dominant person." Obviously, yeah, estrogen will do that. Estrogen but- will do that to you. And um, do you want to tell people? Well, I want to tell people what you're wearing first of all, because you look okay. beautiful. And I was starring this because, as a drag pers- like performance artist, you don't wear clothes on stage personally, like I do. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of just underwear and maybe not underwear. Who knows? Just skin, mostly. No tucking. No no stuffing. I have no really padding. beautiful skin. Yeah, we have. I, we both have very beautiful, <laughs> very different skin. You are the palest thing next to laser print paper. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Epson has never been so <laughs> so happy. I prefer alabaster. <laughs> I think it sounds more expensive. I like I like alabaster. I like alabaster. Um, you have on your beautiful long dark hair as you always do. Always um, a very beat face that is not. You don't like. It's funny because like you don't look like you overbeat, but there is like you paint like Picasso. If you scratch, it will leave a dent. Yeah, it will leave a dent. <laughs> you have more makeup on than Queen Elizabeth the first. Okay, and that was an inch. Uh, <laughs> Mine doesn't have any lead in it. Yeah, um, very, very red, beautiful lips, and your, of course, your signature long, long claw nails, red claw nails, a green and blue iridescent um, crushed laser velvet 
bias bias cut dress. Now, when I say all those things, so the laser print velvet um, is uh, it's initially a velvet, and then there's like polka dots on it, and that's going to be in a, and that's going to be also in the velvet. But the rest of it comes like more on a chiffon netting, yeah, and it definitely. is very iridescent where you'd see like green, and then when the light hits it, it's blue. It's yeah, the really blue beautiful. tends to shift. It has kind of like a weird electric like life to it. And then bias cut means when you turn the fabric. Um, sideways and then you cut dresses out of that way yeah. it gives it more stretch it lays on the body really well John Galliano got rest his, his former career yeah, Dior like known nice for his bias cut dress it's very famous in the 30s most of those dresses are bias cut dresses but yours is knee length with a mm-hmm. handkerchief hem so that means her hem is not it's not all one it's it's Okay. You know, well, we have to describe. Yes. Not everyone. This is about education. <laughs> She's like pearls clutch. I was like, no, we have to describe what you're wearing. Yeah. And then you are wearing a contrasting print. Um, what is it? Leopard print pump. Yeah. Leopard print pump. Patent contract. leather leopard print. Patent leather leopard print pump. You look amazing. And then a leather jacket Five draped inches. and a leather jacket draped over the right shoulder. Like, you look amazing right now. You look amazing. You look fabulous. Thank you. I feel fabulous. I'm in my signature black. I decided yes. to get comfortable today. Um, I'm wearing this Zara. Like, it's a, I assume it's a dress. It may have been a shirt, but I put an extra, like, pin at the bottom, so Everything it's not showing my a dress neck. if you don't wear pants. Yeah, it's, I'm not wearing pants. I am wearing tights because it is windy outside. I don't want to catch a cold. It has a lovely hood on it. It's not like a short little person head hood. It's a real person head hood. I know, that's a thing. Shit. That's a thing, because you get the hoods and they're too tight, and then you're just like, oh, this was made for a chick that's really small. <laughs> and that's not me. It's usually the pockets that give it away for it's me. It's the pockets, the fucking pockets of the you little bend small over and hands. your phone falls out. Or no, the arms is the thing that gives away for me, like the jackets, because like the arms stop. Oh, yeah. I already have long arms. I have my grandfather's arms. I got mm. long arms that go down to my knees. I can reach things at high levels and sit down at the same time. It's crazy. <laughs> but nonetheless, one of the reasons, one, the main reason why I had you on here is because you are a transgender woman. Yes. And, and performer. I don't want to say you're a transgender performer because those are two separate things. Oh, yeah. Well, my... I was a performer before I was transgender. Exactly. So. Exactly. Can I tell them the story about how, when you decided to transition? Sure. Yeah, go for it. So she... Uh, as her former self was already a very feminine looking person when we first met. She already looked like a fucking girl. And we're all doing and like really pretty, what can I say? And we're all backstage at like our fabulous party WTF at town. And she's like, you know what, you guys, I've decided, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I'm gonna transition. And we were just like, to what? <laughs> like you are already a woman. And then, I mean, honestly, you started this journey and not only was it a transition of your physical self, but you as a person. And that is the most, that's the most powerful thing about all of this is that you transformed as a person to your real self. And I think that's what everyone's always saying. Don't cry. Don't cry. We just started the show. (laughs) She's such a crier, everyone. I wish we could do this on video. I'm a very emotional person. You are a very emotional person. But there's so many wonderful things happening in this world. And I like to do this little segment called The Closet Clean. Um, it's okay. like, I call it the closet clean because you know my actual closet as a good friend of mine. It's on the floor. Yeah, I'm moving into her house next week. We're going to be roommates. And I walked in and I said, oh, this is the closet. She goes, no, this is the whole apartment. Apartment, yeah. Like, my, I have clothes everywhere. And I was I have, like, okay, well, I guess I'll just bring a bed. Yeah, <laughs> like, I have to <laughs> learn, I have to fit clothes from three closets into one. 
And the fur okay. closet. I'll just bring a bunch of garment racks. Yeah. We can just have the clothes everywhere. Yeah. The, the, fur, the fur closet can't go. I'm sorry. That's but fine. Um, I like to call this segment the closet cleans, but I talk about news. Okay. And I just want to like unpack some things that I've been feeling over the last week since I've been here. I feel a lot of feelings. Um, so one thing that's really fabulous that's happening is that we all, a lot of people, I want to say all, a lot of people are aware of the climate change, the climate scare that we are going through. Um, one of the things that we always talk about big oil. Yeah. Um, but we don't talk about the textile industry. And as a fashion apostle, um, not only spreading knowledge about history and about style and all those great fun, fun things, it's also talking about like what we can do to protect this world. And we don't talk about the textile industry, and that is number two in pollutants in this world. And no one really talks about that. Yeah, and come on, fast fashion. That comes about the fact. I mean, like we're wearing plastic right now. Yeah. Like this is fabric, but we're wearing plastic. Okay, this is not biodegradable. You know, cotton manufacturing is at a level where it's on an industrial level that it was never meant to be. And cotton is a crop that takes up some of the most water to grow. Yeah. So like whole seas, you know, in the eastern, in in like out in the east, have been dried up because of this. Um, but I've always wanted this thing where there was a company that took. Um, waste and garment waste and textile waste and then transform that into other uh, sustainable products and other products that we can reuse. Okay. And there is a company doing that. Awesome. And I'm so pumped about this and everyone we're about is to... Is this n- Buzz Marketing or are we sponsored? We're not sponsored but I'm so pumped about this because I'm about to get really nerdy with my science and fashion but okay. this is so cool. Throw it at me. There's a company called Pentatonic. They're creating sustainable... Their thing is called Creating Sustainability Solutions for Brands with their waste. And and they are doing that. They're not just creating more clothes. They're actually creating, you know, things like hangers and other just like household products. Oh, so it's not just recycling fabric into more fabric. No, it's actually recycling fabric into other things, into other materials, into other products. That's that incredible. Are household materials are regular materials that we use every day. That is incredible. And they're working with major brands. Now, I have, was not able to get a hold of the the names of these major brands just yet, but next week I will because it's the thing that I'm going to follow a lot and I'll probably talk about a lot um, because I want to get that message out there that we should not only be thinking about protecting the environment but about sustainability and what that can mean for us and what that can mean for our everyday lives. Yeah. And Pentatonic, like, if you happen to catch this podcast, I don't fucking know. <laughs> if you do, you know it's the internet girl. If anyone's girl. listening. anyone's listening, it's the internet girl. Please, like... Write me up on the Beauty Archeo Facebook page or hit me up, DM me on the Beauty Archeo Instagram um, because I would love for you to tell us more about what you're doing so we can share the news because that is amazing. That is really, really fabulous that someone is actually taking up that mission. Like, go ahead, girl. Yeah, get it, sis. Um, on another note, someone that is not helping the world, but this story has started off in 2016. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I got it. I just want to, like, I just want to, I just, y'all know I get a little bit... Rev- having a great morning. Don't ruin it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I just get a little revolutionary sometimes, and I just want to say, I watched that documentary about Elizabeth Holmes from the... Oh, Fair about House. her. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Where do you think I was going to go? 2016. I was thinking election. I know. It's like anything could happen. I know, right? Yeah, I was like, damn. <laughs> I'm not going to... No, I just found that. out about her yesterday. Oh, that is wild. That, Did you listen to any audio clips of her voice? Yes, yes. That serial killer voice. Well, I was reading all of these articles and it kept saying deep voice, deep voice. I was like, oh, the secret is Elizabeth Holmes is trans. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret. And then I was like, oh my god, this like, what is with all these like crazy like trans con artists? We got her. We got a. Uh, 
What's the WikiLeaks bitch? Chelsea Manning? See, they can't be you. They can't be you. They're trying. They can't be you. I no. waited on Chelsea Manning once, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, she, I said, I lied and she, said I had to start a tab for the check so that I could make sure it was her. And she gave me a New England Patriots card that said Chelsea Manning. And I was like, oh my God. Did she, did she smell funny? That's always... No, she just and was by the way, super vegan. And that is always my question, by the way, for anyone who is a celebrity of any kind. Do if they someone meets a celebrity, I always ask them, do they smell funny? I just want people to know that I'm not being Insulting, I always ask. An old friend told me Kimbra spelled really bad. Kimbra? Yeah. Oh my God. I will tell you, I left that Charlie SCX concert that one year. The when, when she was at trade? Yeah, no, like, when she came to trade like later, but oh, yeah. like when she was in town. Because I was just like, She was smelling all right. Something on your stage, you smelling ripe. And I'm like right next to the stage, and I should not be smelling that. There's yeah. too much money in the lighting to not smell ripeness coming from the stage. No, That's all I'm saying. Okay, but back to Elizabeth Warren. Sorry, Holmes. No, Holmes. Holmes don't call out Elizabeth Warren. I for know doing this. it was a it was a mistake. <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Back to Elizabeth Holmes because this yeah, not trans, just weird voice, just weird voice, kind of serial killer s, but hasn't killed anyone yet, thank God, because you know Walgreens stopped it and the government. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you don't know about Theranos, this um, this woman, she you know went to. Stanford comes from comes from money. Went to Stanford. Didn't um, graduate. Did not graduate. There. But she, you know, like she definitely sounded like an accomplished young woman and very yeah. smart. And she was definitely smart in terms of talking the talk because she talked her way into billions of capital raised, billions of capital to finance this company called Theranos, which actually stood for. It was like therapy, therapy and diagnostics. Therapy yeah. and diagnostics. Di- and, diagnosis. Diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Therapy and diagnosis. And she started this company, and it was a blood testing company that would revolutionize blood testing forever, like change the face of it, where you wouldn't be going and taking and having to spend a lot of money on expensive blood tests where they take a lot of blood or just, you know, actually the healthy amount of blood to use to be tested, but instead just take enough blood to like end up in these little capsule pill size. Yeah, and then they can diagnose anything. And they can test for anything, like all these different tests. Well, it was fake. She never even had like a working machine. She raised billions of capital and surrounded herself with all of the, like the richest of the richest 1% white men, let's call it what it is, who just gave her all this money. And this is, this this was the fire fest of the medical industry right now. This was Firefest. I just want to let y'all know that y'all got bamboozled too. Y'all wanted treatment, but you got a cheese sandwich. Like you got a cheese. <laughs> you wanted a villa. You got a bus. <laughs> like, like I'm sorry. Like there wasn't. How are you gonna give someone fifty? How are you even gonna give someone ten thousand? You even have a product on the table. Right? Like this wasn't even. No. This wasn't a crowdfund. You know, this wasn't a GoFundMe. You know, no, like, yeah. we're just going to buy into this site unseen, and maybe or maybe not, I'll get a tote bag out of this. <laughs> and, like, I don't feel bad for these people, because clearly they did not is lose their shirts. sustainable fabric? Like, clearly they did not lose their shirts, because Betsy DeVos is still here, and she is still in our damn face, and has yeah. not cowered from public, uh, from public view, which I don't know why. But that's, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, I heard she was back out, she hasn't gone to jail just yet, and she's still out trying to raise money for more shit. And I'm just like, stop! This is when you don't have a black friend. <laughs> that okay yeah to tell your ass just be like girl you need to calm down like you chill need out, to bitch. you need to chill the fuck out you need to chill the fuck out but before we take a break there is some really fabulous fun news i try to go up and down i try to take people on a journey with this closet clean because okay. that's how i feel when i clean my closet i'll be fine i love this path for us 
Do you love this path for us? I love this path for The us. way you're sitting right now, she is lounged out right now, people. She's just legs crossed, Sharon still in basic instinct. I don't even know if she's wearing drawers. Like, this could get crazy. I'm wearing drawers. The dress is sheer. <laughs> <laughs> then I wouldn't be wearing. No? Okay. It's daytime! Uh, Givenchy, Ricardo Tiski, he taught me that. Uh, <laughs> um, so there is some really fabulous news. There is a... It's talking about trans performers and LGBT performers, um, which we're going to talk about for our podcast. Um, the Smithsonian is actually... They're, Smithsonian's own podcast, Side Door Podcast, hosted by Halima Shaw, um, they told a story about the unapologetically gay African-American performer in the 1920s, Gladys Bentley. Um, In 1934, and this is like, I'm reading this from Smithsonian. I did not write this. I don't want the credit for this. Um, in 1934, a midtown Manhattan nightclub called King's Terrace was padlocked by police after an observer complained of the dirty songs performed there. A, the after theater club near Broadway was the trope of liberally painted male sepians with feminine voices and gestures performed behind entertainer Gladys Bentley, who was no less provocative for early 20th century America. Performing in a signature white top hat, tuxedo, and tails, sounds like Janelle Monet. Uh, <laughs> Bentley sang raunchy songs laced with double double entendres that thrilled and scandalized her audiences. Damn. I, I love know. this girl already. I know. What's her booking fee? Like, seriously. Like, where is she? But she's not around anymore. I mean, unless she's a witch. Like, Gladys, if you're still around. If you Maybe. pulled, like, Marie Laveau, let us know. Um, Maybe it's and, you. It might actually be me. And while the performance of what an observer called masculine-garbed, smut-singing entertainer. That sounds amazing to me. (coughs) Right? Led to the shutdown of King's Terrace. Bentley's powerful voice, fiery energy on the piano, and bold lyrics still made her a star of New York City nightclubs. Um, I want to become friends with her, but no, she's not alive. But she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. I'm just reading a little excerpt from that because I'm going to go to a break but I just wanted to like just throw her name out there, Gladys Bentley. I'm going to look into some more information about her and probably, if not, do a full show about her, depending on how much I find. I'm going to probably do another closet clean and like, get a little bit more tidbit because I want to know about her personal life and like her as a performer, like how she came to be. Um, but until then, we have a lovely show about a fabulous transgender fashion model that really like broke the ceiling on modeling and the fashion scene. I love that. Um, Really undercover. So we're going to go to a little break and we'll be right back.
All right, we are back. We are back, people. This is the Beauty RKO, your fashion history comedy podcast. I am your host, Professor Noir, and we have our special guest here, Miss Anna Latour. Hey. Hi, we're back. We're back. That was such a that was a crazy break. We did a jog. Um, we did some yoga. Did some Bikram. Did some Bikram. Took some shots. Took some, you love shots. I love a shot. You do love shots. I hate you because I always drink wine when we go out. And then all of a sudden I see you coming at like 12 o'clock at night. Let's do some shots. I'm like, girl, I, I start that at 730. I'm like, well, I always see you at 12. I'm just like, I can't do any more shots. No um, shots, Anna. Let no me alone. Um, well, back to our story. Our show. Our story. Back to our story. Back to our show. Um... <laughs> Story hour. Story uh, hour with Pussy and Anna. Right. I, um, I love history. And um, there are a lot of icons in history that people miss and don't get to talk about. And they're not in our standard history books. Yeah. And I think that they should be because these are the people that actually really did stuff and really changed how history went. Well, yeah, I think that's what's so important about being our own kind of sort of queer historians is, is we are responsible for, for writing the textbooks of our own community because no one else is going to. And speaking of those queer historians, um, which we'll also talk about that terminology as well, but um, I titled this The New Norm, The Life and Legacy of Tracy Norman. Yes. Um, this is written by, this little excerpt I'm going to read, is, I think it was written by CNN, I forgot to put the citing on there, but before there was Caitlyn Jenner, Laverne Cox, and Jazz Jennings, there was Tracy Africa Norman. I had a little burp. <laughs> you the love talking about burps. You did it in the last episode, you did it in this episode. It's All the right. coffee, it's the monkey bread. Continue. In the mid-70s, Norman was the face of Clairol's Born Beautiful Hair Color, number 512, Dark Auburn. She had an exclusive contract with Avon. She did several photo shoots with Essence. She was a house model in Balenciaga's Paris showroom. This is Tracy Norman. So Tracy Norman is an um, African-American fashion model. Um, She was born male, originally born male, and came out um, in high school. And after high school began her transition into becoming Tracy. So uh, really interesting. um, I lost my place here. Did I like move it around? This is what happens when you like. We need type. to get you a physical piece of paper. I know. This is what I need to get, right? I need to get a physical piece of paper. I'm trying to be all tech savvy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, but um, really interesting. So I was reading. I was reading a lot of things about Tracy, and especially when I research, I like to read about what people say and like what they say about their lives. And Tracy was saying that she seemed to have a very pretty genuinely happy household, like a, a really solid like upbringing. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is like, you know, she's growing up as an African-American male, I mean, anywhere, not just America, but anywhere yeah. in the 60s and growing into your adolescence and realizes that she is gay. And it wasn't until she was about 17 where she came out to her mother. And the first thing I thought was, oh, that's just, I'm like, I'm like reading the first line. I was just like, you came out to your, oh, shit. This is going to get bad. And the next line was the fact that her mother actually embraced her. Shut up. Yes. Her that mother is so amazing. fully embraced her, but definitely like worried because she could be killed. Yeah. You know, just for being. And so, you know, thereafter, high school, Tracy also realized there was more to just being gay, that there was a gender, you know, yeah. there was a gender 
person coming, a, gen, a different gender coming out. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that conversation revolving around transness is there's, especially as a young person, there's not the, the vocabulary in order to say, I'm not gay, I'm a woman, because, you know, since gender is something that is assigned at birth, you know, we don't say they were born this, we say they were assigned that. Exactly. Um, and, and so there's not really, you're not taught the vocabulary to just say, I'm not a boy, you're taught in uh, relation to sexuality, because sexuality is something that develops, whereas uh, social constructs of gender around what you're assigned do not. So no one's going to teach you how to come into a new gender, because that is not like culturally how we teach. Exactly. We teach life experience in terms of sexuality. So if you like men, well then instead of talking about gender and what that might mean for you, mm-hmm. then they just assign gay, because sexuality is something that develops rather than gender, like in the way that the, like the cis population sees the world. So a lot of that, that verbiage comes from, oh, I thought, and this is like my story, but I also see it in a lot of other people. It's like, oh, I thought I was gay. Turns out I wasn't gay. I just was never a fucking dude. Exactly. So, yes. <laughs> yes. So that's like an interesting, uh, just an interesting way to, just to think about it. And definitely when I came to terms with that was like, oh, I was never a gay man who became a woman. I was someone who used gay because that was the language that was given to me. Now, I have to ask you a question because also thinking about Tracy being in like the 60s and the 70s, and, trans- and going through this transition um, and resetting, in my, w- in my way to say, resetting the whole idea, mind, and spirit back to the original factory settings, which is the actual gender that you were meant to be, the one that is coming out. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, like, in your own, I guess, not just your experience, but any knowledge that you may have have of like trans stories from the past. Is yeah. that kind of mindset something that was already there, but just wasn't explored? Yeah, I mean, I think that mindset has been around since there were trans minds. Uh-huh. You know, that is like a thought process. So that even you, to antiquity, I mean, like, yeah. yeah. Like back thousands of years ago, um, it's just learning, you know, thoughts aren't new. The way we understand them and the language we have to express them is. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, there's no new thought. It's it, always something that has been. It's an energy that flows through humanity. It's, it's new language and new vocabulary to express words uh, that we didn't have before. But the thought was always there. The feeling was always there. You just can say it in a new way. Exactly. So I want to actually go into then... So... You know, we're talking about uh, Tracy's transition and going through this transition. And at this time, um, she found a way through another friend of hers who was also going through transition. So, you know, she wasn't alone, thank God. But she found a way. um, And this is, I mean, she grew up in Newark, New Jersey. So that's another thing. It's like she wasn't necessarily in the Deep South. Um, I wouldn't say that just because you're in the North at that time that it's going to be any easier. Yeah. Um, the North had a lot of problems, a lot of racial problems and a lot of segregation, both um, with class, race, and a lot of gender issues. Um, so I would say even the communication of maybe that restriction may have been different um, or maybe the numbers are more because, again, after this migration of African-Americans, we're about to go into a lot of history with this, with this statement, but the migration of African-Americans from the, from the South to the North, you have more of a population, so more of a chance. So she wasn't necessarily alone. Yeah. Um, but she found a way at that time was to take birth control pills. 
to yeah. to start the transition and to get the hormones and to start, you know, really like growing that feminine body. And um, it says after a little after she started going to trans clubs where she after she started like kind of seeing the effects of it, she started going to trans clubs where she found a doctor who did under the table hormone shots. These shots are what gave her a feminine body. Her breasts grew and she started to lose weight. Realizing her feminine identity, realizing her feminine identity took slightly longer than it did to come out. It took her a few months after graduation to finally find herself wandering into S. Klein, a department store in Newark, where she grew up, and buying her first dress. It wasn't until a full year after graduation that she felt like she could pass as a woman in broad daylight in public. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, this idea of... Because, and the reason why I brought this up is because, I'm just, like, I just sat back from the microphone. <laughs> this microphone's not coming with me. Um, it moved. Yeah, it, I wish it. it moved. But um, It does. But it, it, I mean, it does, like, automatically when I did. Um, oh, you want an automated one. <laughs> yes. I just wanted to read my, I just wanted to have sensors and read my mind. AI um, microphones. AI microphones. Um, but um, thinking about, like, because we have LGBTQ. Yeah. I. A. A. Is it now? Yeah. I have Google I hate, in front of yeah, me. I, I hate saying up. that in a way. It sounds dismissive, but yeah, there's no. A lot I of do not mean to be dismissive. Yeah. I just missed no, some yeah, things, me either, yeah. and there were a lot of performances over the last couple of years. Um, <laughs> but you know, so we tend to lump trans into the LGBTQI. But reading this kind of story, reading a lot of other stories, and knowing a lot of other people, this idea of passing, yeah, of gender passing, and that being kind of like the final frontier, and saying that like I am fully realized. What is that? I mean, like, even for you, what has that been like? Because I can honestly say, I can talk about me walking the fine line of gender. Yeah. And that was a natural thing that I didn't even know I was doing necessarily. I always just knew I... You just exist. I just existed. But I knew I existed on a periphery that was unlike everyone else, even, like, my LGBTQI brethren. Yeah. Um, But, I mean... I don't mean to like interview you so much, but I just no, want to. No, it's fine. Yeah, you know, I love to talk about myself. I love, talk- <laughs> I love talking about trans things too. Um, no, so I think the interesting thing about her probably world about passing is that it's a different time period. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the '60s where passing is going to be her number one weapon against the world around her. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only it's not only is it a, a piece of armor and a safety blanket, but it is an armor to fight back at the people around her. Exactly. Like it's a weapon to fight back, um, and not just a piece of armor. Um, and so, when it comes to passing, we're going to talk about passing in reference to Tracy, and not necessarily. I mean, we can we can graze over what it means, you know, nowadays, and and whether well, it is just your, yeah, and yeah. whether it's even relevant. Yeah, because because um, that's like why, yeah, because so that's like, why I mentioned that. Is it even relevant nowadays? You know it what is I mean? Two different, you know, trans people, and yeah. that is the that is something that I've always tried to um, bring to the bring to light when talking about transness to other or uh, gender expression um, in reference to uh, the rest of the LGBT, like uh, sexualities. Mm -hmm. So like in a gay community, what brings gay people together is is one thing. Mm -hmm. They are homosexuals. Mm -hmm. There's the same sex attraction. Mm -hmm. What makes someone trans is going to be different for every single trans person in the room. 
So it's not this uniformity of, of one mutual trait. It is a, a gathering of um, a rebuttal of one trait. Uh-huh. So instead of finding one commonality, we find one, one reason why we're different and not one reason why we're the same. Okay. Um, because you can ask me about my transness and then meet another trans person on the way out of the building and they will tell you the complete backwards, opposite, upside down, inside out version of what I just said because what I said isn't real for them. Exactly, and, I assume. Um, so when it comes to passing nowadays, it's like, is passing important to me? Not necessarily. Do I pass? Until I open my mouth. <laughs> um, I was like, she passes, y'all. <laughs> yeah, you know, until my fucking Gilbert Godfrey gay parrot voice comes out. <laughs> but you know what? When, when I speak, you can't ignore it. So I don't fucking care. It's beautiful. Um, it's sexy. It actually is. It's very sexy. It's very, uh, smoke too many cigarettes a day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, it does afford me a luxury that, you know, a lot of girls do want or a lot of girls don't care about. And, and I also think it is my privilege to say I don't care about it because I don't have to think about it. Mm. So it's, do I not care about it or do I not think about it? And that's like a completely different conversation. Well, you know, what's really interesting is that you were talking about when you mentioned transness in the past and transness now Yeah, to go back to Tracy, we're in 1975. We're in, we're outside the Hotel Pierre in New York City. There's a fashion show going on. Tracy sees, and this is like after Tracy has realized that she passes. Yeah. And before that... She has that moment of realization that she can walk through the world as a woman. woman. And she, and so by this time, and then this like period between like, I want to say, I think it was probably around like 1970 when this happened. Yeah. And in 1975, she is trying to figure that out. Yeah. There's a lovely little like link I'll put up on the face on the Facebook wall or the Facebook group where it's like twelve fun facts about Tracy Norman and um, she is she also considered which is something that happens quite often in the story that we hear quite often considering sex work yeah before she became a fashion model because she thought that that was the only way and she was told that was the only way she was actually going to make money that was it yeah that's the story for a lot of LGBTQ people but especially trans women and especially trans women of color exactly. And hi, hi Sam. We have a friend who's standing outside of the rec- the recording booth. We're getting all serious, and he puts yeah. his face in. Um, but and it it is it's a yeah. it's a it, yeah. And so she realized that because in the seventies, the whole um, fashion world was starting to switch in terms of what the beauty what the beauty representation was. Yeah. You know, black women were being recognized as beautiful finally, and they were starting to appear and trickle onto certain runways. Halston, um, Bill Blass, um, and Klein, who was actually the queen of American fashion, really created American fashion. Yeah. If people don't know, don't shoot on Anne Klein just because you see her at, you know... Fucking Marshalls. At Marshalls or Burlington Co. Factory because you know they're more than just great coats. But <laughs> don't show Nan Klein because that woman is there's a reason why that name is known. Um, but these people were, were putting black models onto the runways. Yeah. And Eve Saint Laurent had black models. Balenciaga did as well. Um, but they were the only ones in Europe that really did. And so um, um, she sees 
so we're outside the hotel pier in 1975. She sees a group of beautiful black models that she has seen before that she's recognized in the magazines. And she's like, I'm going to follow them. Because in the past, she has gone to fashion shows. Yeah. Um, she's, in, she's gone to fashion shows in the past. And she's always snuck in by saying she's a fashion student. So she's gotten past. You know, she's getting, she's, she's doing the things. She's yeah, you know. testing out the levels. And I remember that. Because when I was young, living in New York, I, honestly, I wasn't, didn't have to, like, necessarily tell people of anything to get into a fashion show I got mistaken for a model quite often Which I was very impressed by Because I am not tall yeah, I was say, <laughs> You're not very tall I am not tall But I dress really well And I always dress like a model off duty There you go yeah. So I always got mistaken for a male model So they would just like Let me in a tent um, sometimes I would go backstage and come from the backstage to the front. Cause I'm like, I really don't want to be back here. Like something's gonna, something bad's gonna happen. I'm gonna get clocked. Like they seriously, they gonna realize I'm not supposed to be here. Behind a fashion show, it is rough. It's don't me even, at every nice event I ever go to. I'm don't like, even they're try. gonna realize I'm not supposed to be here. They're like, you're on the list. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but they're gonna realize I shouldn't be. So she sees these models and she follows them into the hotel, Pierre. Because she's like, I'm going to make some shit happen. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to follow these models. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you... And she fucking faked it till she made it. So let me tell you the story. So she followed them into the Hotel Pierre. She follows them into the elevator. They clearly don't recognize her or know her or probably may have said like two things to her thinking that she's supposed to be there. And she follows them upstairs to this casting of other models. And it's for a photo shoot. Yeah. And she sits in a chair waiting to get seen. You can yawn into the microphone. It's fine. Stop. Um, you love the fucking media <laughs> show. So she's at the casting. So she's at the casting. She sits in the chair. And she's like waiting and waiting. She's like sees them getting called up. Like people leaving. People going through. Like all these things happening. Finally, she's the last person. And they call her up. And she meets with these people. And she walks out with a booking for, 15, for a two-day photo shoot booking. $1,500 a day for Vogue Italia in Italy. Shut up. Who did she meet? Irving Penn, um, Luciano Sopani, who was a fashion designer at the time, and the editor-in-chief of Vogue Italia at the time. I'm going to start just walking into buildings with tall people. Just do it. Like, seriously, you can do that. You tall and skinny and lanky. I mean, I could do it, too, because I, like, I give you Grace Jones. So, like, you could do it. Like, we should just do that. Just follow a bunch of models into a building. See what happens. And just see what happens, you know? Like, if anything, they'll just give us a job with something else. Yeah. Hey, go get coffee. I'm not doing all that. I'd be like, I... mm. I was like, I'm just here to steam. I'm just here to steam clothes. Just, they're too tall for that. I'm just specifically here to steam clothes. Um, so, yeah. So, she got paid $3,000 for this fucking photo shoot. Irving Penn Brad that he had discovered the next Beverly Johnson. And Clairol, soon after, signed, um, uh, um, signed, Norm, uh, signed Tracy Norman. Um, and Norman signed also with the Zoli Agency, who also represented supermodels like Pat Cleveland, Famous supermodel, also was in the Tommy Hilfiger show recently with Grace Jones. Oh. There's a whole episode about Pat Cleveland that will be coming up in the next, like, couple months. I have to just put it together because, like, I love her. Y'all don't even understand. She is my boo. I really want to meet her one day. I I just want to walk the runway with her. Um, But the agency also represented Pat Cleveland and Varushka, very famous European model from, like, the 60s and the 70s, did the one most iconic um, photo shoots. I think it was like Fur on the Orient or something like that for Vogue. It was a, it was like a twenty page photo shoot. Love it. And like a three month photo like shooting schedule 
in Japan. It was amazing. Can you imagine? Oh my god, it sounds like so much fun. Uh, they don't do shoots like that anymore. They just don't even have the budget. Um, so yes, she then secured the contract for Clairol after she got signed with Norma for, for the Zola agency. Um, she secured the contract with Clairol that helped her gain national visibility when she became the face of Clairol's hair color number 125 Dark Auburn in the Born Beautiful hair color collection and the ad for it i'm going to definitely put on facebook because it's really cute and it's very freaking 70s and i'm going to show my dear guests here on my pinterest board the beauty archaeologist because i love pinterest and everyone thinks i'm crazy for loving pinterest but i don't care I want y'all to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hate the interface. I, I, everyone does, but I love it. Um, but this ad, her hair is like in this beautiful Nancy Reagan, like flip up, blown out quaff. Her skin is like perfectly brown with like a little red tint. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful, very beautiful face. I mean, looking at Norma, yeah, looking at absolutely. Tracy Norman, very, very feminine face. So like talking about that thing about passing and like especially at that time, she did have that feminine, you know, kind of doe-like face, those beautiful well, doe-like yeah. eyes. She almost I looked mean, like Diana Ross. Just speaking about the like unconscious mind and how we register gender, there, there are a lot of things that we look for subconsciously that we don't even know um, in like the cheeks and the, and the way the jaw comes, uh, the, the chin comes a little forward to almost meet the nose. Exactly. Uh, the way the forehead ridge sits, mm-hmm. the, um, the fat distribution under the eyes. Well, you know and what? she has all of those. And you know what's really funny? A lot of people don't know this, um, but I, I was reading about this in this like project I did on like beauty and like the origins of beauty in college. And I also saw this in a documentary like years later. But the standard for beauty, especially that's like taught, I assume by to plastic surgeons, a standard um, um, measure for beauty is actually Nefertiti's face. Really? Yes. Her face is considered the, like the the standard for symmetrical beauty. I love that. I know. So all you white women, y'all just trying to look black. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you didn't have to tell me that to know that. <laughs> She's like, I've been on Twitter. She's like, the secret's out. The jig is up. <laughs> the jig is up. Um, but so, you know, after Clairol, her career really did take off. And Tracy Norman had a very luscious career in fashion. But she went under the radar as being transgender. Yeah. Um, I, as she had to. As she had to. Now, I personally could not find out the point and when she was found out. Yeah. And she didn't really talk about it in one of the interviews that I saw. Like, she just said she was found out. Yeah, I I'm really, sure it's... Like a hugely traumatizing experience but to I talk think, about. But I think because she had relationships, sounds like she had relationships with both straight men and straight women. Yeah. That I think one sounds of them. Sounds like most trans women, I think. Yeah, and I think, exactly. And I think that that's what came out. And I think yeah. one of the lovers probably outed her and it started to, and it was a rumor that started small and started to spread the fashion industry yeah. very quickly. And her career dried up. It dried up. Um, and it wasn't until recently, I want to say in the last like, five years that her earlier work is being recognized for slaying the groundwork yeah. for, I mean, every trans model and then also models of color, like female models of color. Laverne Cox, very famous actress um, from Orange is the New Black. Um, I mean, what else got Laverne Cox? Everything. Yeah. Um, actually um, referenced uh, Tracy Norman, uh, um, New York Times article and just how much she influenced her seeing that this is a possibility. Yeah, no. In order to, like, there's 
there's a realness in seeing your fantasy a reality in someone else that makes it more tangible even to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. That I'll, is a reality that we all have. Well, you we know, always, You see something you want and someone else has it, it means it's possible. You can have it. Well, this goes into our last point. Yeah. Representation. Yeah. You know, her doing what she did, um, even sacrificing the way she did and really putting her life on the line, even in the fashion industry. There are crazy people in the fashion industry, okay? Oh, hell They yeah. will kill you, okay? And she put her life on the line every damn day and put her face out there nationally and internationally to be seen. And she still survived and is a beautiful woman still to this day. I mean, oh, yeah. stunning, stunning supermodel still to this day. And she put her life on the line and really set a bar and broke a lot of glass ceilings for so many of us. Yeah. I will say so many of us. Um, some fun little facts, though. So we know about how she got her first job. Um, 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 there was something really interesting, though. That's oh here it is, that's what it was. Because um, I did find this, but I I don't know if it was proven. It just was rumors. But the only person I that I can see that may have said that she was out she out that outed her, um, she believes she was outed by legendary Essence editor Susan Taylor. Oh come on, turf. Okay, a holiday <laughs> issue shoot for Essence, circa 1980, hairdresser Andre Douglas braided Norman's hair and beaded in and beaded in it gold. Um, they wrapped her in an Egyptian cloth. The photographer told her to imagine she was Cleopatra floating down the Nile. His assistant climbed a ladder to shower her with gold flakes. He was clicking, 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 clicking. The magazine's et- et- then-editor-in-chief, Susan Taylor, seemed very excited. She even mentioned the pictures are so beautiful, Tracy. This could be the cover, says Norman. They were... Ooh, excuse me. They were on the third roll again. They were on the third roll of film when Norman noticed someone, someone else come onto the set. It was one of Andre Douglas's assistants, the one who was always asking her questions. According to Norman, the hairdresser spoke with Taylor, and then Taylor stopped the shoot, saying, "I think we have enough." The editor untied the Egyptian cloth Norman was wearing. She was kind about it. She was asking me, was I all right? She was standing behind me, looking at me in the mirror, rubbing my shoulders, complimenting me on, the, on how soft I was, says Norman. Then when I, that, that's when I knew the, the way that she looked at me through the mirror. It was different. She was looking for the person that this hairdresser told me that I was. Taylor did not respond to requests for comment. Um, both Douglas and the hairdresser um, who spoke to Taylor are deceased. This is from an article, and I'm reading everyone. Yeah. Um, Taylor didn't say anything explicit um, to Norman. Say, Taylor didn't say anything explicit to Norman then and ever. It is possible that Norman misinterpreted the interaction, but she doesn't think so. The next day, when she called the agent, when she called her agency to find if she had any bookings or go sees, they said no. All I know is that my work stopped that day. That was so sad. Girl, Susan. I blame that hairdresser. I blame his friend, girl. Yeah. I blame his friend. You knew what you was doing. Fuck them both. You, Fuck knew them it, both. you knew what you was doing. You knew what you was doing. Um, but nonetheless, Tracy Norman, she did, her career did stop, but she ended up um, being a mentor in the ball scene in New York. And apparently, um, I've never been to this, but now I want to go because I just found out it existed. But there is a ball like Hall of Fame. Shut like up. ball seat, like ball hall of fame. I think okay, it might be yeah. in New York, and we need to like take a road trip and go. Let's go. Like let's fucking do it. Take I'm the house of Sonic and go. Um, but there she was she was inducted into the ball scene hall of fame, and um, is 
you know, immortalized since, but she's still alive. She's still kicking. She's still modeling again. And she's absolutely amazing. And if you ever catch this episode, Tracy Norman, we at the BD RKO, um, Professor, Professor Noir says, thank you so much for everything you've done. And we love you. And you've inspired all of us to become and to be and to exist. Yeah, I love that. And that is our show, everyone. Thank you so much, Anna, for being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. You're really feeling your fantasy over here. You were like really comatose over here. I am not. Not comatose. Not comatose, but like just like lounging in the glamour. Like, of course. Just like the leg is twitching. It's too much. It's too much. Um, Thank you, everyone. For being here, and this is the Beauty RKO. I'm your host, Professor Noir, your comedy history, fashion history podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service RDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>